He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. That's what the the left does not want us to be talking about. They want a society that is entirely polarized by race. Uh, we want a society that is colorblind, that has does not take account of race, where there's equality. They want race to be the absolute center of everything that we do. This is Dick Morris on WABC Talk Radio 77. And uh, give me a call so we can talk. Uh, 800-848-WABC, 848-9222. Paula Dressel, who uh, is from the Race Matters Institute, said, the route to achieving equality, equity, the route to achieving equity will not be accomplished through treating everyone equally. It will be achieved by treating everyone justly according to their circumstances. And what she means by that is that there has been an, a lot of discrimination against people of color and that the only way to compensate for that is now to discriminate against white people in favor of people of color. And it means expl- explicitly abandoning the standard that Martin Luther King set in his famous March on Washington speech, where he said he looks forward to the day as a dream when everyone is treated according to the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And that has been the hallmark of the civil rights movement and of the racial justice movement uh, ever since he said that. And uh, it, of course, goes back to Thomas Jefferson's All Men Are Created Equal line in the Declaration of Independence. But now there has been a sharp break from that, a sharp departure from it by the left. And it is providing Republicans, in my judgment, with the silver bullet with which to win the coming election. Democratic social policies are driving voters into Republican arms. The GOP should make a point of keeping government colorblind as opposed to favoring one race over the other. Voters recoil at laws and government programs that grant funds and preferences using racial criteria. Biden's rural development program in his budget this past week, for example, allocates $4 billion in loans to farmers and small businesses, but only for people of color. It says that in the statute, people of color. Same with one billion in scholarships. Whites need not apply. Given a choice between candidate A who favors this program to compensate for past injustices or candidate B who insists that the law in favor no one race and must be colorblind, voters want the colorblind candidate by 66 to 29 in a poll that I just took last week. Democrats break about even, 49 saying base it on race and 44 colorblind. Uh, But there is a fundamental division here between what the Democrats want and what the bulk of the American people want. And on the central tenet of critical race theory, that the U.S. is a racist nation, voters resoundingly answer no by 54 to 36 and by like margin object to teaching critical race theory in schools. 
and by the way, voters opposed reparations for slavery by 61 to 27, agreeing that 300,000 white Union soldiers died in the Civil War, and that's been reparation enough, and nothing's accomplished by paying for damage done eight generations ago. So Republicans should come out strong against critical race theory and for colorblind legislation and programs. This is an issue on which the Democrats cannot follow us because their own base's views are so at variance with those of the rest of the country. In my political career, I'm always looking for an issue where the other party's base voters disagree with the bulk of the electorate. Because if they agree with the bulk of the electorate, you're going to be chasing them around all campaign. I say trying to pin the tail on the donkey. And they'll always say, no, 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 that's not my position. My position is different. And you'll never be able to nail them down and really have a sh- the kind of sharp disagreement which can turn an election around. But on this issue, you can. Because they are coming on to their base, which strongly believes that Equity, not equality, is the key, and reject the notion of equality explicitly and outright. And that is so contrary to what the American people want and think. And a sharp deviation from Martin Luther King and from the doctrines he laid out uh, that we all should follow. Uh, It is immoral to base things on race. Uh, The word white or black or color does not appear in the Constitution, does not appear in the Declaration of Independence, and should not appear on the statute books. And those who recommend that are doing something that, in my judgment, is absolutely at its core un-American. Judith from Brooklyn has a comment on critical race theory. Hi, Hi, Judith. Hi, Judith. Yeah, hi. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, hi. <laughs> this is Dick Morris. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, is this is this Mr. Morris? Am I on? You are. You're on the air. I'm. I'm sorry. I just spoke to the screener, and I thought she's putting me on hold. And all of a sudden, I thought you are another screener. Okay. Hi, Mr. Morris. First of all, I want to wish you a meaningful Memorial Day. Thank you. And also, want to ask you how is your wife? How is your wife? Well, how is she um, doing? The same. Uh, but but oh. lately I've found flashes of humor and her old persona reoccurring, and I feel very good about that. My wife had a stroke uh, nine weeks ago, and it's been devastating for me. Thank you so much for asking, Judith. Again, I remember I told you you should try the hyperbaric oxygen tank. Oxygen yeah, you did. is you very, did. very we, good. Yeah, and you really, really should try that. There's a lot of literature, Mr. Morris, on that, and it's really good, and it really should be for her benefit. I I will look at that. Okay, so you know what? Um, I'm calling because there's so much hatred, right? There's so much hatred going around. This critical race theory, which basically is saying that all whites are bad from birth to to death, like from cradle to fingers, which is so uh, so ridiculous. So here's my here's the deal. There's so much hatred. So here. In order to get rid of this kind of hatred, it goes to, you, you address it with education, yes? How is this going to help when now they want to educate children from preschool and on, literally, yep. and divide the class between white children that are the oppressors yep. and the rest are oppressed? Either way, you can't win, I'll tell you what. Because the oppressed, the ones that are oppressed, don't feel too good about themselves because they all of a sudden feel like they're victims. Yep. That's not going to build up their self-esteem. Yep. Then you got the oppressed I, feeling awful. I got you, Judith, and I, I really buy into what you're saying. Um, one 
wrinkle on that that's occurred to me is uh, about 10% of the people in America are the products of mixed racial marriages or relationships. So what's this going to do to a kid that's sitting in the class? And let's say his uh, father is white and his mother is black. Uh, is this going to stimulate an Oedipal reaction of wanting to kill his father and marry his mother? Is this going to divide families based on race, causing divorces and separations? What about a fourth grade white kid that's sitting in the class saying, everything I have, everything my parents give me, everything is as a result of exploitation of people of color by white people. It is so destructive and so screws with the minds of so many young people in our country. Thanks so much for your question, Judith. I think it's great. Now, the other issue that my poll showed is really dominating the environment now and really overcoming stuff is inflation. And inflation is coming on strong as an issue. The inflation is the issue that the establishment does not want us to think about. But the voters are thinking about it, and they are way ahead of the economists, the journalists, and the commentators. Uh, despite the tendency of the media to downplay inflation, voter, voters believe, in my poll, by 55 to 13, that prices are rising rapidly – 26% a quarter said they're rising very rapidly, while 28% said they were increasing somewhat rapidly. Only 13% said they were not rising by much at all. Inflation is going to be the new reality of 21 and 22. When we look back on 2020, obviously the word COVID is going to dominate. But when we look back on 2021, inflation is going to be the word that dominates. And the interesting thing from a political point of view is that voters believe strongly that big government spending is responsible for inflation. Voters blame big government spending for the rapid rise in prices by a margin of 55 to 16. And even Democrats agree that big spending is the culprit by 45 to 26. And they agree by 60 to 21 that high unemployment benefits and stimulus payments make it financially better to stay home. And this helps cause inflation because companies have to pay much more to attract workers. They agree with that by 61 to 20 and Democrats buy into it by 47 to 30. So these are the two issues that the, Dem that the Republican Party must use to regain power in 22 and 24. Colorblindness and inflation. Articulate the goal of colorblindness because that is a goal Americans will buy into and will believe, and the Democrats will place themselves way outside of the mainstream, way over on the extremist left, by renouncing equality and renouncing Martin Luther King's ideas and instead looking for discrimination going the other way. 
and they will also appear to be insensitive, out of touch with the average voter, and not understanding what it's like to live as a person in this society, the more they downplay inflation. As the incumbent president, Biden will always try, any president will always try, to downplay the problems voters feel uh, because he doesn't want it to take over the dialogue. But when he does that, he risks being seen as insensitive and out of touch. That's what Bush 41 had uh, when he was denying there was a recession and it was obvious there was one and Bill Clinton came up and said, you're insensitive, you're too rich, you're an elitist, you're not in touch with the average person. And that really resonated. And the Democrats are opening themselves up to the exact same situation. Let's go to Steve in New York. How are you doing, Steve? All right, Mr. Morris and the country has been waiting for this conversation between the two greatest political minds. Um, first of all, you have to look at inflationary pro- a process that's created by the government. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, they never fixed it. They just threw more money at it. They inflated it. It went right to society. Yep. Our doctor bill went through the roof. The thing is now, you have to remember this now. I know you're against this, but the truth is the establishment of the Republican Party through legal immigration has rebuilt the hard left wing of the Democratic Party. Exhibit A, teaching school children that white people are the R word, that is child abuse. The left wing now has been rebuilt through immigration. You cannot deny that. Inflationary policies, cutting off the oil supplies that are uh, fundamentally in this country, create inflation, hurts the American people. So let me comment on that. Um, Absolutely, uh, inflation is the key issue. And it's going to grow and dominate the election, dominate the whole political season. It is a mistake to think that immigration is feeding that issue. We are gaining among Latinos because the people that come here, legally or illegally, are patriots. They come here because they love this country so much that they dreamed about it for years. And they're willing to risk their lives and everything else to be able to come here. And they are Republicans in waiting. That's why Trump gained eight points among Latinos and six points among Asians. We're winning increasingly among people that want to be Americans. You know, the inflation we just talked about is very serious and it's clearly coming. And the only hedge against it that really works is gold and silver. And this ad is sponsored by the Patriot Gold Group. Uh, people are flocking to gold and silver. Gold has gone from about $1,600 an ounce to about $1,900 an ounce in the last six weeks or four weeks. And the more evidence of inflation pours in, the more you're going to see gold and silver move up. And it's the only real hedge against inflation. You can't base your financial security on something the politicians can print because they'll just keep printing it till it debases the value and it's really not worth anything. You gotta put your financial security in something that they can't control, like gold. So call the Patriot Gold Group at 888-912-1469. That's 888-912-1469. 888-912-1469. Call now, 888-912-1469 to protect yourself against inflation. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. 
Hi, this is Dick Morris. We're discussing the run-up to the 22 election. And I've been making the point that the two issues that are going to dominate this election are inflation and colorblindness. Colorblindness being the the opposite of the reverse discrimination that Biden and the left wants to build into the laws. Rob uh, from New Jersey has some comments on that. Let's hear you, Rob. Uh, First of all, I want to thank all the men and women from the Minutemen in the 1700s until the Marines in Cabal, Afghanistan, and to the present. Thank you for everything you've done keeping our country free. Yep, you got that. Secondly, I want to I want to pray for you and Mrs. Morris and hope that her road to recovery is wonderful. That's so nice of you. Yes, thank you. Prayers help. But you you had a comment about the political divide in the country, right? So right. So like you were saying, and a few other people have commented, the, the like you said, the cold wine of the race and inflation are the two key elements in the next election. But my question to you is a little bit more. It's about the elections. I think I see the House turning over, but how do you see the Senate going in two thousand and twenty? Okay. Uh, the House, I think, I feel pretty good about. Um, the, right now, you ask people, if all things being equal, who would you vote for, the Democrat or the Republican candidate for Congress? That's the standard question. And right now, it's one point Republican, which means it's really four or five points Republican and a very big uh, win for the party, 20 or 40 seats. Because the way it works is that there are more Democrats in Democratic districts than there are Republicans in Republican districts. A typical Republican district will go Republican by 58-42, let's say, whereas an inner-city Democratic district will go out by 100 to nothing. So it's just like the Electoral College gives us a better break than the popular vote does. So I think we're looking at pretty good margin in getting rid of Ms. Pelosi. Now, in the Senate, it's more difficult because there are 20 Democratic, 20 Republican seats up and only 14 Democratic seats. You know, only a third of the Senate is elected every two years. And um, we have a uh, and, and in going after the Democratic incumbents, there are really four or five targets that you got to focus on. Ossoff, the guy who who is just elected sort of in Georgia. Kelly, the newly elected senator and former astronaut from Arizona. And, um, and, and a bunch of others. And you have open seats, uh, that we would have a pretty good shot at picking up. Uh, but the problem is that there are very few, uh, op- there are very few opportunities for the Republicans to gain. I don't think we lose any. And I do think we'll beat Ossoff. I do think we can beat Kelly. And I have a dynamite slogan for Mark Kelly. What on earth has Mark Kelly ever done? You know, he's an astronaut. I walked on the moon. So what on earth has Mark Kelly ever done? you got to use that. I used it once in a campaign in 1980 against Jack Schmidt, who was an astronaut who walked on the moon. But at the moment, if I had to handicap the election, I would say a narrow win in the Senate, probably 52-48, and a wipeout in the House. Um and I, I think that'll be pretty good. That segues into Ted, who has a question. Does the U.S. have a future? Hey, Ted, sure does. But yes, let's talk uh, about it. I, I'm always delighted uh, when you're on, uh, Mr. Morris. Thank Do you. you think the United States has a future? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm 73, 
probably I'll uh, live to 103 like my daddy and croak. Mine but I want the U.S. to go on. Yeah. Well, you got a good shot. I don't know about your dad, but the country has a pretty good shot. Uh, Trump was right. This country is on the verge of the most incredible successful era it's ever had. Number one, as soon as we get a decent administration, we're going to reassert our energy independence, but more importantly, energy dominance. We are the new Saudi Arabia. And uh, with all the power that brings and the terrorists, the Middle East, those folks will go begging because they've never developed their economy. They've just relied on oil. Uh, we're far ahead of every other country technologically. Uh, we're way ahead in terms of the economy and economic growth and ahead in population growth and strength. Uh, 30 years ago, over the last 30 years, Britain has gained about 6 million people, France about 6 million, Germany has actually lost population, Japan and Russia have lost population, and the U.S. has added 120 million new people. The prosperity and the income gap is narrowing, the personal household income is exploding in the U.S. Uh, we are in great shape except for what the Democrats are doing to us. If they have eight years to work their mayhem, it'll be a serious problem, but we're not going to give them eight years. We're going to give them the four years that they took, whether fairly or not, in the election, and we're going to win in 22 and 24. Uh, and I feel very confident now about our winning in 22 when, when I took this poll. You know, I sit here and I watch the crazy democratic policies and I say, is this the country I've known? Is this the country I've practiced in politically for 50 years? Uh, or is this some new entity I've never met? And I just polled last week and it's the same old country and they reject all of this garbage. Thanks for your call. We're running a strange program, y'all. It's a long way till dawn without Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. Scientific proof of their existence, meaning alien civilizations. Intriguing conversation, guests and callers. I have to listen to him. Now I really can't sleep. I can't wait until one o'clock in the morning. Who needs sleep when you've got Frank Morano and the other side of midnight? I'm a different man since this call began 30 seconds ago. Live and local all night long on North America's most powerful radio station, 77 WABC. Introducing a new day of the week. Someday. Now, everything you were going to do someday is on the calendar. Want to retire someday? You'll really want this. A My Social Security account at socialsecurity.gov. You can estimate your future benefits and manage current benefits online. Millions of people have a My Social Security account. Get yours today because someday is here at socialsecurity.gov. In your car, online, and at home, the Tri State's most trusted voice, Hot Radio 77 WABC. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. Remember what they are? Those are the guys and women walking around in blue, have a nightstick and a gun and a taser, and they protect you against crime. 
they're increasingly museum pieces in New York because we've defunded the police by a billion dollars. We've cut over 1,200 officers from the force. We've, we've sent away two graduating classes from the police academy. We've disbanded the warrant squad and all kinds of stuff that we're doing. Rarely has there been a policy that has been advocated by such crazy people and then implemented so thoroughly that we can really measure the impact of that policy. And the impact is a catastrophe. In New York City, homicides are up 17%. Shootings are up 84%. Think about that for a minute. Twice as many people are getting shot this year as last year. Twice as many. Hate crimes are up by 73%, and retirements from the force are up 75%. So the left is getting its way, and we are witnessing total mayhem going on in New York City and other cities as a result of this. There are of the 20 main metropolitan areas in the United States. They have collectively seen a 28% increase in homicides. But among the nine of those 20 that cut their police budgets, they have seen a 68% increase in murders. 68%. And that's data. You can't, you can't argue with that. It's just very, very clear. And how the Democrats are going to cope with this, I don't know. And when you listen to the candidates for mayor running in New York, Yang is really the only one who's standing up aggressively against cuts in the police. Eric Adams a little bit. And the others are cheering it on. And uh, I've never seen a policy more designed to cut the throats of our own people than reducing the number of police. It's not just reducing the number. It's handicapping the ones we have here by telling them, hey, if you go too far, we, you, we're going to let you be sued civilly for damages. This is called conditional immunity that they want to get rid of. That means that every time a cop puts handcuffs on someone, every time a cop catches somebody and restrains them, shoots them, obviously, but even punches them or restrains them or tackles them or pins them to the ground, he is risking a civil lawsuit where he can be sued for hundreds of millions of dollars. And these cops obviously don't have that kind of money. So what they're suing for really is their pensions, their retirement, their homes, and their whole lives. And with that, what cop is going to do anything to catch the guy that's about to steal your purse or just punch you and just try to rob you? Nobody's going to do it. It's, it's effectively disarming uh, the police uh, from the beginning. Um, Ralph, I think, agrees with me. I'd love to hear from him from Brooklyn. Hey, Ralph. All right, Mr. Mr. Morris, uh, great uh, Stuyvesant graduate. That People don't realize that right. that's the gold standard, folks. I got, and, um, I got to tell okay, you, Ralph, I've been in the White House. I've been in two presidential campaigns, been on Fox News and now Newsmax, WABC. I've never been in a more competitive environment than Stuyvesant High School. That's right. People should know the kids back then were very smart. They were the future leaders of this country. Now we're pre-selecting the leaders of this country through race quotas, not the merit system. That's disgusting. But here it is with the crime. The people have to realize last year, the rioting, the looting in all these cities where the politicians are actually backing the looters and stuff like that. When that happens, you now live in a third world country when rioters, looters can change the laws. You have to remember the criminal 
always has the advantage because the criminal will attack unprovoked. Yep. Last year, the 90-year-old woman getting punched in the face in Manhattan. Yep. Let's show all those videos. Let's show what's, all the crimes have been on video, most of them in the last 30 years. Let's keep showing them over and over what's yeah. been going on. People vote with their feet. They run when high crime comes on. I know people call the station. They say they love everybody. They're full of it. The thing is now, this is a reflection now of defunding the police. Also, cops don't want to be in the police force. Yep. They're retiring. Absolutely. Guys don't want to, girls yeah, don't want to be need. recruits anymore. So that's how you get rid of the police. Voting when you, you don't back them up, and that's a reflection of the hard yeah. left wing of the Democratic Party, you're, which has been rebuilt through legal immigration, right. Mr. Morris. Let's go to Roger in Brooklyn. Hey, Roger. Hey, Roger. Roger that. Okay. And uh, Melvin in the Bronx. How are you doing, Mel? Greetings, sir. I'm a firm believer in solutions. The solution is very simple. All you got to do is look at what cause laid the ground for the situation you're in today, and you have a clue to the key for the solution. solution is, what happened July 4th, 1776? Who fought for this country for the 13, 14, 15, and 19 men? Prohibition does not work. Never have, never will. Look at the 18th and 21st Amendment. And when you talk about eliminating, all you got to do is put Truth in the curriculum, and look at executive order nine nine eight one on this day, and what happened in nineteen twenty one in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Put all the truth in the curriculum. Let the church forward they go for. Good. Well, you had a lot of historical references there. You have me bouncing all over the place, and uh, and certainly nineteen twenty one I recognized was the year of that horrible Ku Klux Klan massacre, and uh, and and the other references you made are true. Uh, but the problem is that truth in curriculum is very far away. Uh, political correctness is what dominates the curriculum these days, not truth, and that's a big problem. Speaking of which, the Dean of Student Affairs at Brandeis University says that all white people are racists, and that's a school founded by Jews, the most persecuted people in history. Brandeis University, located in Massachusetts, says on its website that it was founded by the American Jewish community, quote, to build an institution that put into practice the universal values and principles of Justice Louis D. Brandeis, that Justice Louis D. Brandeis embodied, open and robust inquiry, a reverence for learning and knowledge, and service to others. But now Kate Slater the assistant dean of graduate affairs, writes that all white people are racist, explaining that she doesn't hate white people, but she does hate whiteness. She writes, yes, all white people are racist and that all white people have been conditioned in a society where one's racial identity determines life experience, outcomes, and whiteness is the norm and the default. And she confessionally says, and that includes me. So an institution founded by Jews who have been battled racism and are the most victimized group in the world uh, of racism now condemns all white people and therefore all Jews as racists. You can't make stuff like this up. This phenomenon of blaming whites 
for every evil that's that's been visited upon people of color is absurd, is insane. Start with the fact that 330,000 white Union soldiers gave their lives, their lives to end slavery. Originally, the war was about holding the Union together. But then in 1863, President Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation. And the war then went on basically to eliminate slavery. And that was indication that this is not a racist society. Then we had horrible racism going on in the South that the North made every effort it possibly could to end it and was resisted tooth and nail. And then finally in 1960, we were able to end it and we passed very strong civil rights laws and proving that we're not a racist country. And then in 2008, uh, we absolutely proved it by electing a black man president of the United States. And uh, about 40 members of Congress are African-American. And if there was ever any proof that that's not true, uh, this is it. And let me go on. Under Trump, the gap between black and white income has narrowed considerably. Black household income and Latino has increased faster, faster than white income. And, uh, and, and I think that we, we absolutely have made clear that we are not a racist country. Now, Biden wants to require every school to teach critical race theory. They want, he wants literally to go into school and tell the white kids, you have exploited the African American kids or your ancestors have, and your house, your privilege, your life, the way you live, uh, is all the result of exploitation. And, uh, lay that guilt trip on people that is absolutely awful. Uh, let's go to Alex in Silicon Valley. Oh, Alex, you've called before, and good to have uh, you. Yes, I just had two uh, points. Uh, uh, responding to uh, your comment about defunding the police, on a per capita basis, Japan actually has 20% fewer police than the United States, but Japan does not uh, is not undergoing any kind of crime surge. So that seems to suggest there's actually an additional method of dealing with or controlling crime, and specifically you identify those demographic groups which tend to produce the most criminals and you limit their immigration into the United States. And Japan has a very strict and tight immigration policy. So Japan is the most racist country in the world. Uh, they have they permit virtually no immigration and their uh, racism is particularly directed against the Korean population that Japan savagely occupied and basically raped for between 1910 and 1945. Um, and I wouldn't cite Japan as a model of anything in that regard. Uh, but go ahead. What's your other point? Oh, no, that was it. Basically, that was okay. the, the second point was... Uh, the, the other point to realize about the Japanese criminal justice system, I ran, I ran campaigns in Japan that got one of their prime ministers, Khan, elected. And uh, one of the things that they do in Japan is there are not determinate sentences. You You kill somebody, you rape somebody, you rob somebody. You're sentenced to enough time in jail to recover, to change, to moderate your conduct. It's kind of like in a mental hospital. There's no term. They just try to feel, feel if you've gotten the message. And that's so unconstitutional in the U.S. We would never permit that. And I think that that has a factor in that. Um, thank you for your call. Let's go to Linda in Long Island. Hey, Linda. Hi, Hi Mr. Morris. 
Are you doing great? I love you. Um, Thank you. You know, what you were talking about before, when people, white people, say that all uh, white people are racist and vice versa, um, these people are themselves racist. So they want tell everyone that everyone else is so you know for their own protection and say well i'm not the only one everyone is yeah and that's basically why they do that yeah they're they're trying to say uh when the revolution comes spare me yeah i guess that's true but look when did race become the most important thing in the united states when did it become a a, a truism that if you're not doing well in life, it's because of your race. If you didn't get the job you wanted, it's because of your race. If you have a lower income than you should, it's because of your race. Got nothing to do with how hard you work, got nothing to do with your schooling, nothing to do with your your genes. Uh, It's entirely the color of your skin. And I just think that's a cop-out. I think that is not true. And I think most people believe it's not true. And I think the Democrats are going way out on a limb about do, about doing that. Thanks for your call, Linda. Peter, Long Island City, what's on your mind? Yes, basically, um, the racist thing is just a smokescreen. I think um, the, the, the left and some of the right, the Republicans, they love the system so much and they need something to to distract you and me. But of course they're not distracting you or me because we know this is this is nonsense in America. Yep. Well, we know the history and the progress this country has made. Now, Russell has an interesting point from White Plains to talk about anti-Asian violence, and I'd love to hear from you, Russell. What's up? Hi, Dick. Uh, I liked your Freudian analysis of critical race theory, but I think there's a lot of fear-based hysteria behind this anti-Asian violence. And it's because we never acknowledged in the beginning the source of this virus. And without making excuses for dimwit criminals who attack innocent citizens, when things are being concealed, certain dummies do get frustrated and do bad things. And I think the Democrat Party uh, used this virus and to paint Trump and, and deplorables as white supremacists. Yeah. But I want can I bring up one thing about Stuyvesant? I mean, we have two mayoral candidates that went to Stuyvesant, Catherine Garcia and Diane Morales. Uh, Diane Morales was giving out a bribe. So I think we know that Stuyvesant had its share of cheaters and crooks. And I'd just like to know, Dick, on the side, if you're registered in New York City, are you going to support Scott Stringer, a proud John F. Kennedy High School graduate? No, no, no. I'm not registered in New York. But if I were, I'd vote for Yang uh, because I think he offers the only real option uh, for a way out of this horrible racial confrontation. Let me take advantage of your call, Russell, to talk just for a second about Asian Americans. First thing to understand is they are wildly successful. The median household income in America for whites is $68,000. The median household income for Asian Americans is $99,000. They are 50% more successful at making money than whites are. And uh, that's just very important. So a lot of the anti-Asian bias is, is jealousy, is envy. Uh, I remember years ago, you would have these Korean grocery stores getting beaten up by people in the neighborhood who would resent that they were making money. And uh, you look at the Biden administration and what they're doing 
in permitting Ivy League colleges to discriminate based on quotas against Asian American students. And the efforts to undermine Stuyvesant and the specialized high schools are also really anti-Asian because those classes used to be 70 or 80 percent Jewish and now 60 and 70 percent Asian. And they worked hard. They deserve it. They got that success. And one of the reasons I like Yang so much is that I think that there's a chance here for the Asian American community, that's about 14% of the city, uh, to really be a voice of moderation in this. So thank you for your call. So we talked earlier about inflation, and it is clearly coming, uh, unbelievably. Uh, the consumer price index is now increasing at a pace of 10% a year. And we're going to see more and more inflation. And it's because of government spending. They're just printing money. And that is fueling this huge demand. And at the same time, they're raising taxes, which is stopping business from producing enough products and services. And too much money chasing too few products is inflation-causing. And the only hedge against inflation historically is gold and silver because the government can't print that. Now, some people say Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are the answer. Uh, and they are – in some cases they are. But they, they're subject to huge oscillations because they're not really based on anything. They're based on a mathematical formula somebody once developed. And uh, there's no real security in that. So – I believe and I personally have put most of my assets into gold and silver and I use the Patriot Gold Group which is at 818 sorry 888-912-1469 888-912-1469 that's 888-912 one four six nine. If you're smart, you'll do so as well because inflation is coming, and the only, and, and you know that's a tax on your savings. A ten fifteen percent tax a year comes right off the top, and the only way to avoid that is to invest in gold and silver. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on seventy seven WABC. When you reach out for the healing hands, are you also going to be reaching out for a COVID virus? Only half of medical professionals, healthcare workers in the United States have received two vaccines. Only half. So half of them are not immune to COVID. Uh, 30% in surveys say they don't plan to get vaccinated or they're undecided about it. I believe that all healthcare workers should be should have mandatory vaccination. Um, the University of Pennsylvania hospital system is doing that, uh, and other systems are following suit. Now there can be exceptions. If a person is religiously opposed to a vaccination uh, or has a condition that makes it inadvisable, uh, they can be put on limited duty. They can be. Um, transferred to places where they don't come in touch with vulnerable people. A good example would be a pediatric ward because kids don't get this disease. But to have a nurse or a medical professional who is immu not immunized, basically a walking time bomb, to be exposed to patients in a healthcare facility, I think, is the, is the height of irresponsibility. 
Uh, I think it's just outrageous. Uh, and uh, there are plenty of alternatives to that. You know, if you don't want to be vaccinated, uh, you can serve the community in other ways. You don't need to be fired. You can be put on stuff where it's not clinical duty or you're dealing with young people or you're dealing with a vaccinated population. Um, if you're worried about that, you can separate your hospital into vaccinated and unvaccinated and only allow vaccinated workers into the unvaccinated portion of your healthcare facility. Uh, this isn't un-American. It's, it's elementary common sense. And that seems to be in fairly short supply here. Now, I'm interested in Rosemary of Nassau County, who has thought about business training and white discrimination. You're on, Rosemary. Hi there. Uh, I was reading an excerpt from a speech given by Christopher Rufo that was printed in Imprimus, which comes from Hillsdale College. Uh, it's uh, his. Uh, title who is Christopher the- Rufo? I'm sorry, I don't know the name. Well, he's the founder and director of Battlefront, a public policy research center. Okay. He graduated from Georgetown University. He's a former Lincoln Fellow at the Claremont Institute. Well, anyway, uh, the title of this um, lecture was Critical Race Theory, What It Is and How to Fight It. And it's uh, it's even even though it's an excerpt, it's quite long to read. But uh, there's a section in here which is really frightening. It says here. Uh, What does critical race theory look like in practice? Last year, he, Rufo, authored a series of reports focused on critical race theory in the federal government. The FBI was holding workshops on on intersectional theory. Um, Can you uh, hurry it up, Rosemary, get to it? There's Sandia National Laboratories is having uh, white uh, men at a conference telling them that white male culture was analogous to the KKK, white supremacists. I I got you, Rosemary. Thanks for calling. That's my attention. I'll look him up and read the memo you're talking about. Uh, Yeah, this whole concept that because you're white, uh, you're exploitive, you're uh, you're deliberately keeping people of color down – is is insane. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, white America elected a black president. White America won the Civil War and eradicated slavery. White America passed civil rights laws that make any form of discrimination illegal, and white America has enforced it strenuously. There is no reason to bend over backwards and to discriminate against white people. It would be outrageous to do it. Uh, Tommy in Bangor, Maine. Hey, must be cold up there. Yeah, but you know what? In July, you're going to love it up here. Yeah, I know. And we are also the home of the private radios years ago. They Good. feds raided us. Meanwhile, there's private radios all over the place. They don't bother them no more. thing is, um, let's face it, the facts, the last 60 years, racial preferences have been doled out in this country to black Americans. You talk about their success in economics, of course, because they've been given preferences to racial. Let's not lie about it. Let's tell the people, put everything on the table. Let's also talk about crime since 1960, over a million rapes, a million murders, uh, theft, all kinds of scandals, assaults and robberies. This country has become a very violent country in certain parts of the country. Yeah. I, I got to 
Tommy, I have to cut you off because we're nearing the end of the show. Uh, I believe that affirmative action should be totally overhauled so it is not based on race or gender, but is based on objective criteria like income or residence in a poor community. Half of all the poor people in America are white, and about a third of all poor children in America are growing up in households headed by a white male. They are entitled to the same affirmative action benefits as a black family is, and or a female-headed family. And it is outrageous to have a policy that's based on race in our country. Now, the Supreme Court upheld affirmative action under an absolutely phony rubric, and everybody knows it's phony. The rubric was that you want to encourage diversity because it helps everybody get an education when you have a diverse student body. But it's not diversity. 75% of Princeton's entering class is non-white. 75%. That ain't diversity. And there is clearly this is a system designed to bias in favor of people of color. And it's that same stuff we talked about earlier in the show, equity versus equality. Uh, and, and the concept that Martin Luther King's uh, ideas are moldering in the grave while the left pushes the idea of equity. Let's go to Kenny in Brooklyn. Hey, Kenny. Yeah, hi. Um, look, I want to talk about the subliminal words in society that are, co- are conducive to pegging black people or black is bad, which is way worse than the, um, you know, subliminally you don't realize that black sheep, black eye, dark day, all these are words in this society that condition people subliminally to think that black is, or Kenny, dark. I just have a minute, so go fast. These are worse to me than being overt racism. When you subliminally use words black eye, dark day, black hole, that condition people to think black is bad, that resonates in your mind subconsciously and you don't think about it. Those are things to me that they need to change to really affect people because they're thinking everything dark, rep phrases are, are bad and it conditions Kenny, people to think that. Kenny, you're making a very good point. I have never thought of it that way. And I really am open to your ideas. That is a fascinating concept. Uh, it's so much better than, you know, talking about you know, whites are racist and all of that. Uh, it is really true. You know, you go back to the Westerns, the white hats would be the good guys, the black hats would be the bad guys. Very interesting thought, Kenny. I really appreciate your call. Well, this was fun. I really love doing this and I love hearing from y'all. And you take care. We'll see you next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.